Uh, good morning, everybody. We're going to jump right into our series. We've been doing a series called uh, Covenant and Kingdom. Um, the first week we talked about covenant and that relationship with God, how God connects with us, how thankful He has rescued us from our sin and our brokenness and restored us to relationships, what Jesus did on the cross, restored us to a relationship with the Father. And because of that, every bit of our identity comes from Him. And it's helpful to remember because if you get the, if you get the order wrong, it, you really mess up in a big way. Just the enemy really takes advantage of you. So we talked about covenant, how that's the, the relationship that God has for us. And then last week we talked about kingdom and just kind of an overview and how kingdom is how we represent. Because we have a relationship with our Father, who's also the king, then we get to represent from our identity as a son, we get to represent our king and our father in the earth today. So we get to live out the kingdom. So we are first, you know, so it's about being first. Covenant is about being. And then kingdom is about doing. And you you want both. You want to make sure that you're doing both. The big danger we talked about is if you get if you get into kingdom-mindedness first and start doing without having a relationship with God, then what you do is you get it backwards and you try to find your identity in the thing you do. And that's really, really dangerous. And it's going to make a lot more sense even as we talk about today because that, as we are representing the kingdom, God does a lot of different things. Part of it is growing our characters, a lot of things that he puts into us and he grows us up um, and we become mature sons. And the more mature we are as sons and daughters of the king, the, the better we're able to represent the king. And so, again, you know, <laughs> we used to joke, we joke about it this all the time. Somebody's, you know, his kid kind of has a, has a moment in a small group or something, and we're like, whose kid is that? You know, <laughs> and the whole point is, is everybody's kid acts up when they're, when they're little. You know, it's just kind of the way it works. So, you know, some are a little bit easier depending on personalities than others, and some have some challenges a little more than others. But everybody messes up when they're kids. But, you know, if you're 16, 17, 18 years old, there's kind of an expectation of a little more maturity, and you tend to represent your family a little better, right? You're, like, you're not trying to embarrass your family on a regular basis. So, so that's kind of what kingdom is about. The more mature we get, the more that God adds, we allow God to add into our character, because that's about making choices about, you know, about who we are and how we're going to act. And then, of course, that turns into representing the king. The other part of that is he equips us and his design is to equip us so that we have tools to represent the king. And that's one of the things I want to talk about today as we kind of jump into grace teams and we start grace teams. Um, part of this is understanding why we have the gifts that we do, why God puts those gifts in place, what they're for, how they work, um, how that translates into who you are and what you do in, as, as, a, as a person in the kingdom. And again, here's the danger if you get this backwards, even in the gifts that we've been given, if you get it backwards, um, we find our identity, if we're not careful, in the thing we do. Now, don't get me wrong, that's part of who you are. You know, if, you're, if you have the gift of hospitality, you're going to be hospitable no matter what. Like, you might have a bad day, but even then, you, you're going you're gonna to be very hospitable. You're, you'll probably be more hospitable than some people who are not, who don't have that gift, even on a bad day, right? So you're just going to walk in those gifts, but the danger is, again, if you're not careful... You, you allow yourself to be defined by your gift, and you forget that you're defined by your relationship with, with your Father. And when you settle that in your heart, then if your gift, for whatever reason, gets shut down, or it's, you're not allowed to work into it, you're not allowed to, you know, to release the gift, it won't strip you of your identity. It's a helpful thing to remen- remember. So we talked about how the covenant is always prior. It's always uh, primary, and it always comes first. If we get that out of order, we're going to get in trouble. 
So I want to start with a, a passage in 1 Corinthians 12. You guys have heard me preach about this a million times. I'm sure if you're a believer, you've, been, you've heard this, um, this passage. It talks about the gifts and the ministry of the Holy Spirit primarily in the Corinthian church. But this is how he starts the conversation. He says, because he, remember, he's writing a letter to a church answering some of their questions. And this question came up about gifts. And this is how he begins the answer. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of information in that one phrase. And the biggest part I want to kind of bring to, uh, to mind is that you can be ignorant of the things of the kingdom. You can be ignorant, like we said, if you're ignorant of the covenant. And ignorant is, is something you can fix, right? A friend of ours used to say there's no pill for stupid. But there is a pill for ignorance. <laughs> so that's good news, right? So, so ignorance can be fixed by, by knowledge, by understanding, by wisdom, by revelation primarily is the way we get it from the kingdom. So he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. So I want to talk to you about some of the things about the spiritual gifts. Some of these things are going to be a reiteration if you've been around DCF. They're going to be something that you, it's helpful to be reminded, but you're probably going to know. The biggest question is as I go through this, don't check out on me if you've been at DCF for a while. Because the tendency is you start hearing Charlie Brown's teacher up here, womp, 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 right? And you stop listening to what I'm saying. And part of what happens is in the reminder Often God will challenge you to say, hey, I want to I talk to you about this aspect of this that maybe you haven't considered before. So just kind of keep that in mind as we go, go through this. Um, but first of all, there's, there's basically six lists in the New Testament around spiritual gifts. There are three basic types of spiritual gifts. I'm going to put these up here on the, on the, uh, the screen, but let me read this first. Um, this is uh, Ephesians 4.12, and it begins when it's talking about the, the fivefold gifts, the, um, you know, the pastor, teacher, prophet, evangelists, these guys, it says that they were designed to prepare God's people for works of service. So part of the role of, of certain leaders in the church is to equip you as a believer to do the work that God has called you to. So he wants to establish identity into you, right? And then very quickly help you understand, recognize, discover your gifting, your spiritual gifts, the thing God has designed in you. Learn your strengths, learn your passions, recognize seasons. We talk about these, these things all the time because they matter. But at the end of the day, God's intention is to get you into doing what you're supposed to be doing for the kingdom. With the caveat in place of if you don't understand relationship, this can be dangerous. The doing part can become dangerous if you don't have the being part in your relationship with God intact and sustained. You want to make sure that you, that's a, something that you sustain because if you don't, I always come back to this. It's such a beautiful picture um, of the prodigal son, right, uh, and the, the older brother, the younger brother, and the older brother. The older brother was kind of like this guy. He, he, he was doing everything he was supposed to be doing. He was doing it completely right. He was quite aware of what he was good at. He was out in the field doing the thing. But he had no relationship with the father. And so he was bitter against his father. And he was also bitter against his younger brother who was very broken and needed an older brother who was mature and strong right, and, and understood what his gifts and his callings were, to come and rescue him. That's what Jesus was to us. He's our older brother. He's given inheritance, right? We recognize this. He, he went there first um, because we're, we love because he first loved us. We get all that. But Jesus paid for us with his own inheritance so that we could be younger, broken brothers, could be restored back to the Father and back into the family. That's what God's called you and I to do, is to represent the kingdom like Jesus did. So again, prepare God's work for uh, people for works of service. And here's why. So that the body of Christ can be built up until something, until we reach unity, until there's maturity, until the church is healthy. 
I mean, you guys know it's not exactly healthy all the time, right? You see stuff going on, you're like, what in the whole world? Even, it's, it's something that Paul wrote to one of the churches. He's like, even the world doesn't do that. What are you doing? <laughs> How have you gone so astray, right? And other places where he challenges them about grace is like, you know, by now you ought to be teachers. And so there's oftentimes these challenges that come, and usually it's because we don't understand either the covenant or the kingdom or how they relate. So the other a set of gifts are manifestation gifts. Those are found in 1 Corinthians 12, after that one I read about don't be ignorant. It goes through and it begins to list um, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation gifts. Um, and they come in different versions. I'm not going to go through all of those. But they're available to everyone. Anybody can walk in any of the manifestation gifts. But you have to have faith. You have to lean in. You have to be willing. You have to want the gifts. The Bible talks about to desire spiritual gifts. And, and again, there's, there's implications in that scripture. If Paul is telling us to desire spiritual gifts, that means there are times maybe in our lives where we won't desire them. And some reasons for that is because we've been hurt by, you know, by the misuse of manifestation gifts. We don't understand them. They seem a little crazy or a little creepy, whatever the situation may, may be. But the answer to misuse is not non-use. It's actually healthy use. That makes sense? So manifestation gifts and then, of course, the, the grace gifts are given to every single one of us, and they're often defined, kind of help define who you would see yourself as that, that person. I'm a leader. I am a leader. Not, I, not just I lead, but I'm a leader. I'm a giver, right? Um, I'm hospitable. You start defining yourself by these gifts, and that is part of the definition, but again, keeping in mind that the, the, but the relationship defines us first. So let me just give you an example. This is Romans 12, verses 6 and 8. It says, we have different gifts, talking to the body, according to the grace given to each of us. Not we should have or we could have, but we have gifts. You have them. And so it's helpful to know that. It goes on, talks about some of those gifts. First Peter 4.10, one of the, uh, you see this, I send this out in our emails when we talk about grace gifts. Um, it's definitive in probably every way. It says, each one should use whatever gift he has received. In other words, every single person has received gifts. And, and most of the time, it's multiple gifts. Um, and here's what you should do with them. Serve others, faithfully administering uh, God's word, sorry, God's grace in its various forms. So again, the implication is when he tells us we have to faithfully administer God's uh, grace, the gift of, of God in us, that means that we can sometimes not do that. We can be unfaithful in our gifts, right? And, and again, this is not about beating us up. What I'm going to talk about as we kind of get toward the end of this message is there's a reason why God does what he does. I, I, I always share this, but I remember when I was little, um, you know, my mom uh, or my dad gave me a Tonka truck, a big Tonka metal truck, and I was a little guy, probably about five, and I would grab it on the rails on either side, and I would push it around, and, you know, my dad was in landscaping. He drove a big truck sometimes, and so I was just, I loved it, right? And one day she caught me out um, pushing it back and forth across the highway, and, you know, I got my tail tore up, and then she put me back in the house, and I was like, I don't understand. All I was doing was I found a really good, it made perfect sense to me that flat place was perfect for my truck, and so take that analogy and imagine a young person saying, what's the problem with having sex before marriage? I mean, it works perfectly, <laughs> right? It's, it feels good, right? I mean, there's so many reasons why it's great, and then there's this one big reason that if you're not, if you, if you get involved in something like that and misuse what God has given as a gift, there's potentially a Mack truck coming over the top of the hill at some point to squish that little five-year-old with his Tonka truck, right? And we see that, to use the analogy again, we see that in people's lives 
who, who uh, what Ecclesiastes talks about, uh, awakening love before it's time, right? You begin the relationship before you should, especially physical relationship, and it does you damage. It damages, as you kind of go into the future, it, it damages relationships. So it's helpful to keep that in mind. There's a right way and a wrong way, and we should faithfully administer them. A couple of common threads um, about all the spiritual gifts, and I'll keep this short. The highest priority of the gifts is the unity of the body. So look at Romans 12, 5. It says, so in Christ, we who are many form one body. So there's this connection together. It says, and each member belongs to, to all the others. Your gift is, is to my benefit. Here's the beautiful thing about the reason why we call it grace gifts is it's, it's God's grace poured out into you, right? And it flows into you and then flows out of you. The beautiful thing about that, when you use it effectively and you, and you serve in the gifting that God has given you, when the grace flows through you, it actually energizes you. It builds you up. And it also blesses everybody that you touch. And so Romans 12.10 says to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Honor one another above yourselves. So you see constantly this picture of unity. And Paul addressing the manifestation gifts in, in 1 Corinthians, he really went after the fact that the gifts are from God, but you are misusing them and doing damage to one another. Like you're, do, you're doing things in the church that's actually not helpful for one another. So you need to stop that and get, it, get things in order because God has an intention for the gifts and the things that he does. The second thing is they should reflect the nature of God. This is kind of a given, Ephesians 4 again. Um, the last part of that, he says that we're to grow up in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, we should look like something. So as we grow as believers, we should look more and more like Jesus as we grow up and become more and more mature in our sonship. Uh, another thing is they're given in service to others. I just mentioned this, Ephesians 4.16 talks about that. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So it can't build itself up in love if, if we withhold our part from it. And we, we talk about this, well, my part's not that big. You don't understand. What's the big deal? I mean, all, I stand at the door and I greet people and I make them feel welcome when they come in. Can I tell you how many lives that has changed over, over the 2,000 years of Christianity that someone who was encouraging, someone who had a heart to encourage and to love unconditionally and can make you feel that, right? Someone who welcomes you, somebody who can do that with that gift of hospitality makes you feel like you're in a home, not a house. And that's a big, big stinking deal. And there's so many of the gifts, and the Bible goes after it. I don't have time to get into it, but the Bible goes after it over and over again about how some of the gifts seem like they're not very helpful or not very obvious. They're always helpful, but they seem like they're not. But oftentimes those, those gifts actually have more power sometimes in, in, you know, behind the scenes than some of the gifts that are up in the front. So we're given to serve others. So let me just give you a couple of, of keys, um, really just one in, in important key. Um, and just kind of close it up with this. And what, what we're not going to do a launch day like we have in the past where we have, have the, um, everything set up. But I, do, I would love for you to go online. If you're already part of a grace team and you want to just continue in that grace team, just go in and sign up again. Um, and that will send email to the leader. They'll get in touch with you and kind of kick off the process. But we're doing everything online. So you just go to dothancf.com. And uh, right there on the top it says uh, uh, grace teams. You can click on that and go and sign up. But just a couple of keys, one primary one is this. Um, 
A couple of things that you shouldn't do. The Bible says don't neglect your gift. So this is 1 Timothy 4.14. It says, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So in other words, God gave you a gift, and, and you can leave that gift dormant for lots of reasons. Again, because you're hurt, because you're ignorant, you don't know about it, you don't know what you're gifted in. But if you, if you lean into your gift and you are intentional about your gift, your gift will grow and the fruit from your gift will grow, and it will bless others. Second thing, it says, don't neglect them, but instead, <clears throat> fan them into flame. So, so there's a passive neglecting them. Don't do anything. I'll do nothing. It won't get better. But there has to be an active, intentional fan them in the flame. You have to lean into it. And this is what it says, literally. Um, it, it's the 2 Timothy 1, verse 6. It says, for this reason I remind you. Isn't it interesting that Paul was reminding them too? <laughs> I know some of you guys are like, this is about the 20th time I've heard this message about grace gift. Good. That's good. That's helpful because it reminds us that we're doing it right. So he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So he's telling Timothy, when I put my hands on you, there was something God did. Now there's some of these gifts that come up inside of us naturally and automatically and they're just part of us from the day we're born, right? See this especially with like leadership, leadership gifting kids. Um, but there are other gifts that can come later. And so the Bible talks about desiring spiritual gifts. So maybe there's a gift that you're like, you know what? I would love to move in this gift. I would love to prophesy, and, you know, this manifestation gift of prophecy. Or I would love to, uh, to be a leader. I don't feel like I am. I would love to be a giver, right? Uh, that's a big one. I'm, I pray into that one. I'm like, Lord, make me a giver because part of the way that giving works is you learn how to make money, right? <laughs> you get better at it, so there's more resources for the kingdom. But that flows through you as well. So, again, uh, don't neglect them, but fan them in the flames. So there's something you should avoid, and there's something you should do. And so let me just kind of wrap it up with this. Uh, most of you guys saw a movie. Uh, this movie in 2008 was called Yes Man with Jim Carrey. You guys remember that movie? <laughs> I am not telling you to go watch that movie. It's a horrible movie. But it's got a great message. So anyway, his character is stuck in a rut, right? Jim Carrey's character is stuck in a rut. And he attends this self, self-help seminar. <laughs> and he learns to unleash the power of saying yes to absolutely everything and everyone for an entire year. So I'm not advocating saying yes to everything and everyone for a year. That's a really bad idea. It works well in a movie, not so much in real life. But the movie shows how saying yes can be of a tremendous value, especially for those who are stuck in the habit of constantly saying no. Right? Many times we assume things to be a certain way when in fact the actual experience can be dramatically different and can potentially lead to incredible and unexpected opportunities in your life. So that's kind of the message of the movie, right? So what's cool about this is there's certain things that 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 captures of the kingdom. And one of those is this, that your yes in the kingdom gives purpose to your life. So let me just read this scripture, 1 Corinthians 1.20. Your yes gives purpose to your life. And you were made, you were created to say yes to God, right? You were made for this. That's why if you sin, you feel bad as a believer, right? If you've got patterns in your life, we've talked about this before, having the covenant, recognizing your relationship that God loves you, having patterns in your life lets you bring those patterns before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand why I keep doing this. And then there's help, the Bible says, for you in time of need. So you don't have to constantly feel condemned and beat down. And it's like, I can't bring this to God as if God doesn't already know, right? So the beautiful picture is you've got this opportunity to say yes to God. It's what we were designed for. 
This is 2 Corinthians. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, listen to that again, no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. Every promise God has made to you and to this world are yes in Christ. There's never a no when it comes to what God is doing, and it's always through Christ. And this is what's interesting. It says, and so, and so through him, in other words, our connection with Jesus, through him, the amen is spoken by us. Guess what the word amen translates to? Yes. <laughs> in, it, another one is indeed, right? It's not a woman for anybody who's curious. It's that so dumb. I don't, don't even get me started. Amen is literally just saying, I agree. It's saying yes. It's coming alongside and saying, I want to align myself with God. So the yes is fulfilled in Christ, right? But the amen, the yes to that, what God is doing in the the earth, is said by you. And if you don't say the yes, the things that God wants to do through your life, he won't do through your life. He'll find another way. Oftentimes God will bring, he's he's sovereign in the sense that what God ultimately is going to do, God's going to do. He's, nothing's going to stop him. But that, the danger of the sovereign, you know, misunderstanding the sovereignty of God is that we, ca- we capture this attitude from the world, the spirit of the age, that says it doesn't matter what I do, God's going to do what he does anyway. And that's not true. It's not true at all. It's why the Bible talks about being co-heirs and co-laboring with Christ. So you are a co-heir, which means what Jesus has received, you also have received because you're in the same family with him. And it also means that your labor and your work and what you do for the kingdom's sake, that's what he he puts that into you. And when you say yes to what God has designed you for, then the kingdom can happen in ways it couldn't before. Another thing it does um, is it gives clarity to your life. Gives clarity to your life. So there's usually like a hundred reasons to say no. Usually it has to do with fear. um, And again, there's healthy no. Don't, Don't get me wrong, there's healthy no's. But the way you get to a healthy no is a healthy yes. What you say yes to in your life is what determines the rest of your no's, right? It's weird to say it that way, but like my wife, I said yes to my wife 30-something years ago, right? It doesn't mean that other women aren't attractive. It just, is, it just means I have chosen her because, first of all, she's the most attractive, right? But I love her, and I've committed to her, and I say yes to her, and because I've said yes to her, there are automatic no's in my life. But I have to pay attention to that because sometimes things will rise up and try to take the yes that I've given her for itself. Ministry will try to do that, right, for me. Your work will try to do that. Your kids will try to take your yes away from the yes you've given your wife. You have to be really careful about this. But it gives clarity. Your yes gives clarity to your life. It's interesting about this, but... For something to be a question mark, if you're hanging in the balance, hey, do I say yes to this thing? The fact that there's a question means there's something deep inside of you that is longing to say yes to whatever God is doing through that. Now, again, there's, there's unhealthy and healthy ways to say yes. You can't say yes to everything. If you do, you're effectively saying no to everything. It's just the way it works. But when you've made a decision, these are the things that are the most important in my life then when you do that, the no becomes automatic. It's helpful to understand that. Saying yes will give you clarity because oftentimes what it will do is it will help you understand that failure is not permanent. Because you can say yes to things and they don't work out, but you've gotten the habit now of saying yes to something. What it does is it creates opportunity. Yes is a door that opens other doors. 
It's a fascinating thing about how this works. But to have option of saying yes, someone or something is believing in you, right? That means if you have the opportunity today to say yes to serving in the grace gifts that God has you through your local church, first of all, God believes in you. He put these gifts inside of you. He has given these gifts to you to serve the purposes of the kingdom, right? And you can do it, and it's going to be celebrated. It's going to be mutually admired. We're going, to, it's going to, we're going to love each other in their gifts. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to go, man, I love the hospitality in you. I love this leadership gift in you. These are amazing things. And ultimately, this is kind of what I want to close with. You were literally made yes or made to say yes to the kingdom. You were, you were made to say yes to the kingdom. Literally, the Bible says that everything in God is through Christ. He is the yes. He is, God is saying yes to everything that's good in your life, and it comes through Christ. But at the end of the day, the amen, the yes to what God is doing in the earth, the yes to what God wants to do in your life, is something you have to say. It has to be active. You can't just go, well, you know, if God loves me, he's just going to do things whether I do my part or not. No, he's not. He will love you. He will love you in your brokenness. He will love you in your despair. He will love you in your despondency. He will love you in all those things, but you don't have to be in those things. Those things are optional. And the only way to get to what God is intending for your life is to, is to say yes to him. And when you do that, we put it like this, say, you know, if God says jump, say yes on the way up. In other words, you have to believe that God is good. You have to settle your theology that God is good. And anything he's asking you to say yes to, even if it is a sacrifice, because oftentimes a yes will be a sacrifice in the short term, but the fulfillment will come in the long term. The flip side of that is also true. Often saying no will alleviate you from some responsibility or some pressure or something in the short term, but it will remove opportunity, opportunity for you in the long term. So I want to challenge you, as we, as we come back into whatever normal looks like, right, pre-COVID, or sorry, post-COVID, whatever that looks like as we move forward, part of that as the, the, as the uh, vaccine is made more available, um, you know, the, the danger in that is that people are like, oh, I'll have this and all, my life will be perfect. No, it won't. No matter what, what is offered out there that's not from God, no matter what is offered that is promised you and you put all your hope in the thing, it's never going to fulfill you. Only God can do that. doesn't mean the vaccine is not a good thing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if you put your trust in something else besides who God is and what he's doing through your life, you're ultimately not, not going to fulfill the purposes of God in your own life. And so as we move forward into some kind of normalcy, the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together unless COVID. It's right there in the Bible, unless COVID. It's in red letters. Now, you guys know that's not in the Bible. Does that mean you don't take precautions? Of course you take precautions. But you can't live in fear, right? Well, and, and here's the reason. Because if you're living in fear because of COVID, you're going to live in fear because of something else. Because fear is just going to find something for you to grab hold of. It doesn't matter. It's, if it's, if it's COVID goes away and vaccine comes, it'll just be something else. Fear of the wrong party being in office. Pick one, right? You can't live your life that way. So I just want to encourage you guys. We talked last week about finding, you know, releasing yourself from the center. To walk in the kingdom purposes, you have to remove yourself from the center and put Jesus in the center, put God in the center. And one way you can do that right now is to serve in your gift set. Serve in that capacity. Whatever We're offering certain things 
um, it's, it's a shorter list than normal because of where we are and the you know, reality of COVID. Um, but there's opportunities even if you're online and you only you know, meet with us online. There are opportunities to serve from your home. We can do you know, work from home kingdom stuff. <laughs> there's stuff that we can do that, that, that's helpful to do. But I just want to challenge you to give. Give your time. That's part of saying yes. Give your resources. Listen, everything you have came from God. Everything you have, it, it comes from God. You know this, right? But how often do we treat it as if it's mine? Now think of your gift like that. Your leadership gift, if you're not careful, you'll spend all of your leadership gift in the world. Now God designed your gift to work there. It's supposed to. It's supposed to bless you. But at the end of the day, if it's only working in the world, you've missed the main reason why God has gifted you in all the ways he's gifted you. So I want to encourage you. You matter. You matter. When you don't serve in the gift that God has for you here in our body, we were just, Alan and I were just talking about somebody this morning who, who, who's you know, not here with us in service. They're watching online. And how much we miss them so desperately being here because part of their gifting is encouragement. And, and just seeing them releases something inside of us. So, so much to say about this. Obviously, our heart and our passion is um, never to bring guilt and shame and condemnation on you. I realize that there are seasons where you can't serve the way you, where you would like to serve. But let me just encourage you and even challenge you that let that be a short season. Do what's necessary. Sometimes, and it can be challenging. It's like, you know, I can't do this because of my job. Let me ask you this. How long will your job keep you from serving the purposes of the kingdom? Maybe you need a new job. Can I just tell you that's not something you probably should do this afternoon. That's something that may take six months or a year, right? But the point is there's got to be transition in your life moving you forward, taking yourself out of the center and putting God in the center. And one, again, a big way you can do that is saying, I'm willing to, to bring my strength to the body because when I do that, the body is built up. It builds itself up in love. Stand with me. I'm going to close out in prayer. Karen's going to come up and close us out here in just a second. But I just want to pray for you guys who are here and also you guys who are online with us. Um, the enemy's done everything he can to isolate us. That's a big deal, right? And part of that is just, it, we call it death by a thousand paper cuts. It's just over time, over a year it's been now, there's been enough isolation to just drag us down. Um, it's time we fix that. It's not something we can't do something about. Um, make a decision to be involved, be connected. We're getting ready to start small groups here in a couple of weeks. We'll, that's part of the relationship stuff, and we'll talk about that in the coming weeks. Um, but that means a commitment. Now, what we've done is we've moved the chairs so they're six feet apart. Um, when we do small groups, we're not going to do them in homes. We're going to do them here at the church. We're going to create an opportunity for you to, do, to come and connect and be a part. But it's a commitment you have to make. And don't come for a little while and, and, and say, well, I'm not getting anything out of it. Maybe the question is, what are, you getting, what are you putting into it? Like, you bring your strength. Maybe it's something that's foundational. It's something you already know. But you can come, and because you're here, you can model, and you can bring your strength to others. So incredibly important. Whatever you guys do, don't let the enemy steal, rob from you every good thing that God wants to release into your lives. And there's so much more. We're not done. Uh, we're just getting started with what, what God is doing through this local church. Foundations are settled. We're ready to launch into the great things of God. But we cannot do it by ourselves. Everybody has to be a part. Everybody has to do their part. And as we do that, the Bible says we build ourselves up in love, and that's a beautiful place to be. Amen? Jesus, we love you, and we say thank you, Lord, that you are the older brother 
who spent his inheritance to come and rescue the younger brother. So Jesus, thank you, Lord, that um, you modeled the father. You came after us and you modeled the father and you brought us home. You brought us into relationship. But I love the story, Lord, how very quickly a ring was put on um, that son's finger, Lord, to remind him that he has an authority and he has something to do in the kingdom. There's something that he's called to. And so, Lord, would you do that if we've taken that ring off in any form or fashion, Lord, because of fear or because of despondency or any of those things? God, would you somehow, by your spirit, Lord, even, would you just replace that ring as a reminder? Just replace, and truthfully, Lord, the ring has never come off. Just remind us that the ring is there, that we have been given authority because we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. And so, Lord, we say we love you and we thank you for releasing your grace and your goodness into us so that we can release it into others and so that we can represent your kingdom well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For those of you who would like to have prayer this morning, we would love to pray with you. Um, If you're watching online, if you will go to our website, there is a place where you can fill out information and someone from our ministry team We'll be in touch with you to pray for you. We are so thankful for all of you, um, everyone who's in-house as well as watching online. And um, so thankful for you. We hope you guys have a great week. Um, and just um, that the favor and the blessing of the Lord follows you. The Bible says that it pursues you. Goodness and mercy follows you all the days of your life. So we bless you guys. Have a good week.